welcome to the Destiny Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. Okay, so we're going to continue to talk about faith. And I think this is one of the passages that we get all this teaching on increasing our faith. So in Luke 17, Jesus is talking about end times and what will happen. And um, he, he uh, is just talking about a number of things about how it's don't, don't get offended. And Phil is going to teach on offense, hopefully, next week or soon. And he says it's better, it's better for him if a millstone were uh, tied around his neck. And there's this kind of statements that Jesus is saying. And then, then it suddenly says... And verse 5, it says, And the apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. So there is that uh, place where the apostles are saying, or the disciples are saying, Increase our faith. And this is what God, Jesus, said to them. So I don't think he agreed with them. I don't think he said, Oh, yes, that's great. I'll show you how to increase your faith. What he said to them is, If, if you have faith as a mustard seed... So I don't think he's agreeing with them. I don't think he's saying, okay, I'll give you teaching on how to increase your faith. What he's actually saying is you really don't need any more faith. You don't need more faith because what he's saying is a mustard seed of faith is enough. So he says, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you know, I'm sure you've had this teaching many times, a mustard seed is a tiny, tiny little seed. You can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. So I think what Jesus is saying there is he's saying you, you're asking the wrong question. You are asking, you, you're going about things the wrong way because even a tiny amount of faith is enough to speak to something and it will be, it will be moved, which is quite interesting, isn't it? Because we still have this idea of, I've got to have more faith, I've got to increase my faith, I've got to, I've got to get more. But Jesus kind of says, it's a tiny amount. It's, it's almost like it's not, it's not the amount of faith, it's how you operate faith that, that matters. And this is one kind of big clue about faith. And it's a little bit the same as, um, as the centurion. You know, the centurion kind of gave this whole thing about I've watched you, I've seen that you're a man of authority and you just have to speak the word and it happens. So you speak the word. So I think part of our, of our faith uh, issues is understanding how faith works. And faith really works by the word, by, I don't mean the Bible, by words, okay? So it's, it's about speaking. So faith isn't some kind of mysterious, spooky kind of thing that kind of you, you can kind of get or you can't get. It's something that's quite, of course, it's, 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 a, it's a spiritual thing, but it, I think it also has laws. So there are laws of faith, and, and I mean laws by in the same as we have laws of gravity and laws of thermodynamics. I think there are things set into the way things work in our spiritual life that it, faith, faith works there are laws of faith. And I think a lot of the time we don't understand it. And that's why we try and get more of it rather than just operate in it. And I think the more we operate in it, 
the more effective our faith becomes. And there's something about the way we speak that is really important. And part of that is the issue of authority, which is what the centurion was saying. Matthew 8. So it's, it's, faith is an issue of authority, okay? And so Jesus says, if you speak to this tree and you've got a tiny amount of faith, a mustard seed amount of faith, then it would obey you. It's, it's really hard. I think if Jesus said that, if, if Jesus was here and started saying that, I think we'd disagree with him. I think we'd say, but come on, we know that we can't speak to trees and, and get them to move. But that's what Jesus said, right? He's, it, 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 this is in red. He said it. And um, so that's, that's that one uh, scripture. Um, just wanted to find this other one. Okay, let's have a look at Matthew 21. What does that say? So Matthew 21. Twenty-one. Okay, it's the same. It's the same idea. So, um, Jesus had been out walking with his disciples, and he went to see this walk past this fig tree, and it had no figs on it. Okay, it's a bit of a complicated parable because it wasn't the season for figs anyway, so it was having a kind of double meaning. But Jesus said, "Let no fruit grow on you ever again," and it says immediately the fig tree withered away. So Jesus spoke and this fig tree withered. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, how did the fig tree wither away so soon? And Jesus answered and said to them, assuredly, I say to you, assuredly means I'm really sure about this, for sure. If you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. So that's another kind of clue that Jesus is telling us about faith. And, it, and it's just quite interesting, isn't it? So he again says, if you don't doubt. So he's, he's bringing in this aspect of there's something that you can do that is going to hinder your faith if you don't doubt. Um, but we would be able to do it. Um, now, I know we don't. I know we don't see this. I know, it, and we're not. We're not speaking a name it, claim it, blab it, grab it type of religion. I'm not saying, you know, God, I declare this Mercedes car is mine, and it is. Okay, I'm not. I'm not talking about that. I don't. I think that's a misuse of what Jesus was saying. What he was saying is, this is how faith works. This is one of the ways that faith works. It works by our words. It works by. Uh, what you say, which is why many times, and, and when we do get into healing finally, uh, I, I will say it a number of times, we don't pray for the sick. Jesus never commanded us to pray for the sick. He says, go and heal the sick. And there's a difference between praying for the sick and healing the sick. So what mostly we think about praying for the sick is we go for them to them and we ask God to do something. 
So we pray for and say, God, look at, you know, Mr. So-and-so, he's really sick, he's got a terrible pain, will you please heal him? And we beg God to do it. But in a way, if we do that, we're already not in faith because faith operates through commanding authority and we have authority to heal the sick. And so our prayer for the sick should be, be healed, not, dear God, please heal. And it's understanding how faith works. So switching the light on, we don't phone the electricity company and say, please, can you turn the turbine on uh, because I need, the, I need the power. It's just turning the switch on and knowing that, that, that the uh, power will come. So the other interesting thing about faith is somehow there were times that Jesus and some of the disciples could see faith. So it often says seeing they had faith knowing he had faith. And it's like really interesting because Jesus and the disciples could kind of sense the difference between something else and faith. And um, let's see, I, I scribbled down a few scriptures. So Acts, Acts 3.16 we've already looked at. No, uh, Acts 11.24. one is it? 14.9. Sorry, I, I shouldn't scribble scriptures down and hope I can remember which one it is. Okay, so this is Acts 14 and this is uh, Paul and um, it says 8. In Lystra a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking and Paul observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed. So it's really interesting, isn't it? What, what is it that Paul could see that saw that he had faith to be healed? But there's something about faith that is tangible, that is, that is obvious. And so, the, the, so faith, is, faith is a thing, that's what I'm trying to say. And when people... When people have faith and when their faith is operating, things happen. And um, I think what it is is that the unbelief is just less in the room. And I think you see this when you're, you know, I don't know if you've had much to do with healing meetings, but there's lots of theories about he healing meetings and how you build up people's faith. And this is probably why we've heard of building up faith. So, you know, we speak the word and that builds up people's faith and we give testimony because that encourages people and builds up faith. But I think actually what it's doing is you're just getting rid of the unbelief. You are removing as much unbelief from the place as possible. Now, you, you might say I'm playing with words, but I think that's actually what's happening because people have faith. It's just, it's just the faith is not operating. So sometimes it's doubt that is getting in. So faith uh, works by laws and one of the laws is it's about authority it's about speaking it's about just declaring the truth of what is done so faith doesn't really praying when you're praying for somebody or ministering to somebody it's not really about praying to God to ask him to do something 
It's about commanding what has already been done and knowing that we have authority. Remember, Jesus said, all authority has on heaven and earth has been given to me, and then he gave it to his disciples. So um, there, was a, there was a passing on of the authority that Jesus had to us, and he had all, so we have all. And authority is just the power to speak, and it's going to happen. Um, when a policeman asks, tells you to stop your car, you stop it just tells you to stop, so you stop it. Why? Is he powerful enough to actually physically stop the car? No. It's just he has the authority of the law behind him. And um, we have the authority of the cross behind us. So, so I just wanted to add that because um, those are some of the things that when it, you know, when people ask Jesus to increase their faith, then Jesus said, you just need a little bit of faith. There is another story, um, if I can find it. Do you remember there's the story of when um, Jesus is up on the, on the hill at the, um, having the transfiguration where he kind of turns white and Peter and James and John are with him. And um, when they come back down the hill, um, there's been this guy who's got epilepsy and or the son has epilepsy. And um, the father goes to Jesus and said, I've, I've um, asked your disciples to heal my son and he hasn't healed him. And um, Jesus said, Jesus says to him, um, only, only believe. Jesus often said to people, only believe. And the man said to him, I believe, help my unbelief. Sorry, I can't remember the scriptural reference for that, but um, if anybody can find it. Do you know the story I'm talking about? Um, here, okay, it's Matthew 17. So it says, when he had come down, um, the man came to him kneeling and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. This is Matthew 17, 14. Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. So Jesus was not impressed at the fact that the disciples couldn't heal the epileptic. I think Jesus kind of struggled with people's unbelief because Jesus never really dealt in the area of unbelief because he just knew his father and he knew what he'd done, he knew who he was and he knew the power. And, and I think he kind of struggled a bit with, with faithlessness because Jesus had lived for eternity in this environment of faith. And then he comes to earth and has to deal with our, our unbelief. And it says, and Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the child was cured. And the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. He didn't say because you don't have enough faith. He said, because of your unbelief. And then this is another mustard seed. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. So Jesus is saying it's unbelief. He's not saying it's lack of faith. He's not saying get more faith. 
Then there's this little verse in verse 21, which is a real debatable verse. It says, however, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. And people have said that means some demons are so strong that they don't go out unless you pray and fast. And I don't believe that's what that's saying because demons are not that strong. They're already defeated. They're under uh, the, the defeat of the cross. So I, I think there's, there's various different commentators that say this doesn't come out except by prayer and fasting. Is that kind of unbelief doesn't come out except by prayer and fasting. Um, Jesus didn't pray and fast before he cast out that demon. So he didn't say, oh, this one's difficult. I'm going to go and pray and fast so I can cast it out. He cast it out. So um, I think Jesus is saying we've got a problem with our unbelief. And then um, there's this other scripture as well. Um, sorry, I didn't look it up. I'll see if I can find it. Okay. I don't know if you uh, if you know it, but we've mentioned it before. He's Jesus goes back to his hometown. It's the one I was talking about before. So he was from Nazareth, and basically, they weren't impressed with him because this is the carpenter's son who's just come back, and he wasn't really very impressive. And really, until Jesus had received the Spirit of God, remember there was this time before he was baptized that the heavens opened and the Spirit of God came upon him. Until that time, Jesus didn't do any miracles. He, he was not yet baptized in the power of the Spirit. So all that time before that 30 years, I don't think Jesus had done miracles. It's not recorded he'd done miracles. So I don't think Jesus as the carpenter's son was there, you know, um, making tables out of nothing. And I think he learned the trade of a carpenter. And um, so his, he was just the carpenter's son. Yes, he knew the scriptures. Uh, yes, he was quite impressive that he, that he knew the word of God. But I don't think that they'd, he'd really impressed the people of his hometown. And it says um, that when he was in his hometown, he could do few mighty miracles because of their unbelief. Uh, sorry, I can't find the scripture. It's, it's early on in, maybe it's Luke. Um, I've probably got it written down here somewhere. I think it's Mark. Okay, Mark 6. Um, he says, Mark 6, verse 3, Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? So, <coughs> the people of Nazareth were not impressed with Jesus. Um, Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honour except in his own country, among his own relatives and his own house. Now, he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marvelled because of their unbelief. Marvelled means was astonished and amazed. Um, he was marvelling at their unbelief. And then he went out uh, among the towns um, healing the sick. So I, I think Jesus really struggled with our unbelief. Not because he couldn't overcome it, but just because he, he was astonished. 
it wasn't really a part of his life to live in unbelief. He never doubted the Father. He never feared anything. He never had this struggle in his mind about um, things of the mind. He wasn't anxious. He, he just didn't ever live in that place. And I think that's why his faith healed the sick and cleansed the leper and, and cast out demons because he just didn't operate in that area of life that contradicts faith. So to summarize, okay, I don't think we have a problem with faith because God has given us faith. It's a free gift. It's what we need to receive his grace. He's given it to everybody. There is a gift of faith, which is a gift of the spirit, which is a supernatural one-off faith for a one-off event, a, a one-off something that you just have this supernatural download of faith for something extraordinary to happen. And that is a gift that you can have and it, it's not what you operate in for all the time. It's just a, it's just something that, that is necessary for that moment. And sometimes people have this extraordinary faith for something. That isn't the faith that is what is talked about in the Bible. Um, the faith that we have is the faith of God, of Jesus. That's good news. Um, we don't have to use it, in which case we don't receive the fullness of the grace of God. And um, I think the biggest issue is we struggle with unbelief and we don't recognize what it is. So we keep trying to get more and more and more and more faith rather than dealing with what is opposing our faith. And um, we need to understand how faith works and, and faith works by speaking. You speak to the mountain, you use authority. So s sometimes we've thought faith works by going to God to get God to do something. Now we do pray and we do ask God and we do hear his voice, but when it comes to, Jesus didn't say, uh, if you have faith, you will ask God to speak to this mountain and it will be moved. He said, you will speak to the mountain and it will be moved. And, and it changes the way that you pray and you operate. So that's why a lot of the faith movements have had this thing about, um, about um, proclamation and about what you say. And it's really, really powerful what you say. So it's why we do the thing for the offering. And um, you might think it's a bit strange um, that we, you know, say, as we receive today's offering, we are believing the Lord for, and we just speak it. And I know it's become a bit of a habit, and we do have other ones for healing, which we don't use so much. But the reason we're doing it is because we know there's power in our words. And it's part of faith. It's part of saying, I am going to say with this and agree with it. So there's something, uh, the other word is agreement, isn't it? So, agreement. So it's what are you agreeing with? Faith is about what do you agree with? So I say that and I agree that I'm going to get a house and a bigger house and a job and a better job. I'm, I'm more interested in checks in the post. I quite like that one. Um, gifts and surprises, yep, I don't mind that. Expenses decrease, yes, I can agree with that. I don't like agreeing with the estates and inheritances because that means somebody has to die. So I, I don't like saying that one, but but we we agree with it. And I, I know it becomes a bit of a habit for us, but it has been a deliberate thing 
because I'm, we're just declaring this is who we are. We are going to be blessed and we are going to be a, be blessed to be a blessing. So, so one of the ways that faith works is by agreement. What am I going to agree with? Am I going to agree with this uh, pain in my leg? Or am I going to agree with the fact that Jesus says he's healed it? Well, I can agree with the pain in my leg. And I can, I, I'm not talking about denying it. I'm talking about agreeing with something, okay? So you can, you, you can come into an agreement with something. So this agreement is, oh, it's the flu season. Everybody's got flu. I'm going to get flu. Okay, if you agree with that, chances are probably going to get flu, okay? Because there is power in agreement. And, and that's why it's when, when, when two or three of you agree with anything on earth, there's something about saying, yes, I agree with this. Which is why, which is why basically we say amen at the end of our prayers. Amen means let it be so, I agree with this. Which is why, I, you know, you, that's, what, that's why we say it. We say somebody prays and we all say yes, we all say amen. Yes, we agree with that. Because there's a power in that and that's one of the ways that that faith works. And I think rather than trying to get more faith, we would be better spending our time working out what we agree with, understanding what authority we've got and how that authority operates. And I think that's, that's the reason I'm saying this, because otherwise we, we end up, um, uh, in, the, in English we say, barking up the wrong tree. Do you understand that? <laughs> so if a dog is... <laughs> Do you have a similar thing? We're just at the wrong place. You know, we're, we're working really, really hard, but um, you're in the wrong place working really hard and you, you, you've missed the point. So that's why I really would like you to understand uh, what I understand to be faith, okay? And um, is there anything, anything else you want to ask? It's not complete, this, but I think it's enough. Um, what's this? Oh, faith. I'm not sure if you're interested in this. Faith is a confidence and a trust in a person or thing or belief that is not based on proof. Quite hard for us logical minds because we like our proof and we... we Believe when we see it. But Jesus says, see. It says, believe before you see it. Faith is before you see it. Um, so faith is a confidence and a trust. So it's about being sure and relying on, on a personal thing or belief that is not based on proof. Um, one of the things that we mistake for faith is this word, hope. Hope is really important. Hope is a part of our Christian life, but hope and faith are not the same thing. So I can hope that um, it will snow tomorrow. No, that's the wrong thing. I can hope that... Um, what can I hope in? I can hope that I... Um, 
can't think of anything to hope in. Come on, what do we hope for? Uh, I, I can hope I get a good job. Yeah, you can hope that you get a good place at university. You can hope for lots of things. It's being optimistic. It's looking for the good of something. It's expecting something good to happen. But it's based on what you want. I, I would really like this. I, I, I would really like to um, win a million pounds in the premium bonds. Okay, It's a hope. It's, it's not faith. I've got no expectation that that will happen. I cannot, I cannot go out and buy things on the basis that that has happened because it hasn't happened. So faith is about saying this has happened now. I can't see it, but it is a reality now. Hope is saying, I hope in the future that something will be good. Hope is really important for us. Faith, hope and love, and the greatest of these is love. So the, the faith and hope and love are all important. Love is the most important. Um, 1 Corinthians 13 says, you know, you can have all the faith in the world, but if you don't have love. So love is the most important. But hope and faith are not the same thing. Hope is important because it's, it's important to look, expect good things. But you can't get healed out of hope. If you hope God is going to heal you, that is entirely different from having faith that God will heal you or that you are already healed. And, and a lot of Christians struggle because they are in hope and not in faith and they mistakenly believe that what they have is faith when actually have they, what they have is hope. I hope God will heal me. Well, I, I hope so too. I, I really hope so. Hope is not going to get us healed. It is when you just, when you shift from hope to faith and faith says, I know it's done already. I know it's done and I know it's mine. And I might not see it yet, but I know it's done. And I, I wish I could tell you exactly how to operate 100% in faith. Um, but I'm, what I'm telling you is, these are the areas that we have to look at. Am I in unbelief? Am I in hope? Great if you're in hope because hope is better than hopelessness. But hope is not the same as faith. Hope is, I'm not sure what God thinks about this. It's, I'm not sure if God wants to heal me, but I really hope he does. That's great, because you're hoping for, expecting something better in the future. But that is different from saying, I know, I know, according to the scripture, that God's decision to heal me, God's opinion on my healing is yes promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. It is finished already and his opinion for me is healing and therefore I'm going to expect it. It's different and it's faith that sees the grace of God coming to fullness. Okay, what time is it? Okay, I'm just going to continue a bit on this and look at Romans 4. Abraham was considered to be a great man of faith. If you want to know about men of faith, men and women of faith, Hebrews 11 is the faith chapter. It tells you about all the Old Testament um, saints of faith. Okay, It's interesting reading. But Abraham was considered to be a man of faith. And he was uh, acknowledged as great man of faith. 
Abraham was considered righteous because of his faith. So Abraham was before the law, okay? Moses hadn't yet been, but God said of Abraham that because of his faith, he was considered righteous, not because of his good works or his behavior, but because of his faith. And um, so, okay. Romans 4 is talking about Abraham and it's going on about how Abraham was justified by faith. And it goes on about David and uh, Abraham. And so we're up to verse 13. Do you remember the story of Abraham? Abraham uh, was promised that his descendants would be as many as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Great promise, God. The guy's got no children. Okay, it's not looking good for this promise of God because he has no children. So, for the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Okay, so what it's saying is that the, the promise required faith. For those who are of the law are heirs. If those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made voice and the promises of no effect. Because the law brings about wrath, for where there is no law, there is no transgression. Okay, that's a story for another day. 16. Therefore, it is of faith. So, Paul is saying, our life is about faith, and he's using Abraham as an example of this. That it might be according to grace. Okay, so the law has got nothing to do with grace. If you want law, you can have law, but you have to be justified by the law, which means you have to do everything it says, and if you don't, and if you fail in any way, you've had it, because you've not made it. So uh, Paul is saying it has to be by grace. God's way is by grace, and therefore it's about faith. Okay. So therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed and not only those who are of the law. Okay. I don't want to get into all the law and grace stuff, so I'm skipping a little bit, but it says, 17, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. So God had promised to Abraham that he would be the father of many nations. The guy's got no kids. It's not looking good. He's not a father of anybody, let alone father of nations. And it says, it, so he made this promise in the presence of him whom he believed. So in the presence of him, capital H, God, whom he believed. So whom Abraham believed. And then it says God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. And I think this is a great a great kind of uh, explanation of, of faith and the faith of God. So what, what, can, what can God do? Give life to the dead. Cause those things which do not exist. Okay, so my healing does not yet exist as though it did. So that, that's what faith is. It's calling something that does not exist as if it did. It's not pretending and it's not making up things, and it's not living in unreality, but it's it's calling forth the reality of something that you don't yet see, but it is still very real. 
And um, so that's what God can do. And I think if we have the faith of God, so he can give life to the dead, that will solve quite a lot of our problems. Okay, can do with some of that. And then, uh, what's it say? Cause those things that don't exist as if they do. That covers everything. If you've got something and it's dead and it can come to life, that's great. If you don't have something, it can come, it can come into being. Okay, that, that's just about all we need. That one of those two things will answer all of our, all of our needs. So that's what Abraham believed about God. Abraham believed that he can give life to the dead and he can call into existence what doesn't, isn't yet seen. Okay, that's how he created the, that's how he created the worth, the world. Okay, so talking about Abraham, it says in verse 18, who, contrary to hope, and what that means is against the evidence. So what was the evidence that Abraham had? No kids. Wife has passed it already. He's probably past it already, but his wife is definitely past it. So here's the promise. You're going to be a father of many nations. No kids. Hasn't happened for years, and your wife can't have any more. Have any children. Couldn't have children, and now she's already past it. So Abraham, against the evidence, in hope, so he did have hope, believed. So that's what faith is. It's against the evidence still believing what God has said. So, who, against the enemy, evidence, in hope, believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken. So, faith has got to do with something that God has said. So, it's according to what was spoken. So, God said to Abraham, you'll be father of many nations. Against all the evidence, Abraham believed that God was, what he was saying was true against all the evidence. And this isn't just for one day or two days. This is for decades that Abraham believed what God has said was true. And every day it got less and less likely that what he said was true. But he continued to hope and continued to believe that that, that had been spoken was true. And that's why when we go back to the other, the other thing, it's, the word is really important because the, the word in the Bible is, is one of the ways that we know what God has spoken. So if you don't know what's spoken, it's really hard to have faith. Because if you don't know what Jesus has promised, and you don't know what he's done, and you don't know what the Bible says, it's really hard to have faith. You can have hope, and you can have a desire for something, but it's really hard to ground that, that into faith. Because if you're not sure whether God said it or not, then it's, it's harder to have faith. You can have faith in the rhema word of God, it doesn't only have to be in the written word of God, but the word of God as in the Bible is really important. Okay. 19. Not being weak in faith. Okay, so this is how he was not weak in faith. He was strong in faith. So it's not saying his faith was weak. He said he wasn't weak in his faith. He did not consider his own body. So he didn't look at the evidence. So Abraham didn't look at his own body. We really struggle with this. I mean, if I'm sick, honestly, I look at my own body. I spend most of my time thinking about my own body. 
you know, it, we really find it hard not to focus on our reality. But it says that Abraham didn't consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old. So Abraham was already a hundred when he still didn't have any children. And the deadness of Sarah's womb. So Sarah's wife, she'd never had kids. She was 90, I think, already. So he did not waver, verse 20, he didn't waver. And waver is this issue of doubt. Wavering is, did God say, did he not say? Is God who he says he is? Is he not? Can we believe it? Can we not? He didn't waver. He didn't waver at the promise of God through unbelief. Is that word again? Through unbelief but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. So I just love this little, uh, it's a few verses, but it, it really kind of summarizes everything that we've said. Um, I think sometimes we just don't understand um, what faith is. We think it's really difficult, but faith is actually just standing. It's just saying, this is what God has said, and I am not shifting from this truth. Whatever I see, however long has gone, um, so it says, giving, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. So you can be strengthened in your faith. You can be encouraged in your faith, definitely. And being fully convinced. So that means he was completely sure that what God had promised, he was able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. So that's the faith of, of Abraham. He was fully persuaded that God had said it, he was able to do it, and it's not his issue. I mean, it, it wasn't Abraham was trying to make it happen. In fact, Abraham did try and make it happen, and it all went disastrously wrong with Ishmael. But um, that's what faith is. Faith is it's just standing. It's not this thing that we work up and try and build up, and we try and increase, and we try and get better at. It is this place where we stand sure of what God has said and we're just not prepared to move. And when the little voice says, mm, did God really say, mm, you really think God's going to do that for you? Mm, remember what it is you did last week. I don't think, you know, I don't think your faith is going to work. Uh, look at it, nothing's changed for the last 10 years. Nothing's, you know, all of these little voices and stuff that comes into our head. We either agree with it and say, yeah, yeah, it's true, it didn't happen for 10 years, God's not going to do it, in which case it's already unbelief. That's what unbelief is, it's agreeing with something that isn't in the truth. Or we just say, we're not going to waver in this. And um, it's interesting if you if you look at that Hebrews 11 passage, it's really interesting because we, we just read, it's one little verse. I always think about Noah. I mean, Noah is quite an amazing story. Um, before the flood it had never rained on earth because the uh, creation story tells us that there was there was waters over the earth and waters on the earth and waters under the earth and when the flood it says that the waters of the deep were broken up and the the canopy of the of the um, world was that's what rained down to cause the flood so of course, you need a heck of a lot of water for a flood, and that was this canopy over the whole world. And so before that, it had never rained. If you read the account in Genesis, it says, you know, there were, water, there were, there were th four rivers that watered the earth, 
and that there was vapour that rose from the earth that watered the ground. So it, it had never rained, ever. Noah had no concept of what rain was because, because the earth was made in this way that it was kind of like a protected kind of greenhouse kind of system. So God says to Noah, go make a boat. Well, maybe they had boats before because they had rivers, but no concept of what it was to rain. And the, the, I think it's a hundred years from the time Noah started building the boat until the time it began to rain. Noah was a man of faith. And I mean, for us, we're like, uh, oh, well, I prayed and God didn't heal me, so God didn't heal me. And, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not making any comment about that, but what I'm saying is faith is, is something that we can't really be shaken from. We can't really, you know, it's, it's that place of saying, this is who I know God to be, and I'm not going to change on this matter. I'm not going to waver, and I'm not going to shift. And we have a fight for our faith. I think the biggest, one of the biggest issues that we have is that there's a, there's a battle on for our faith. And that's why Jesus said, I, I prayed for you, Peter, that your faith will not, will, will not waver. And so th there's this kind of thing about our faith that really needs protecting, not needs working up and fighting in that kind of, you know, waving banners and blowing the shofar and stamping around. It's not about that kind of thing, but it's about recognizing this faith that I live by is really very valuable. And Paul says at the end of his life, I fought the good fight of faith. I, I've kept the faith. I, I've, I've remained in faith. And th that, I think people sometimes feel a bit pressured that therefore we've got to live this life of faith and I've got to be fighting all the time. And faith isn't about fighting all the time. Faith is about standing all the time. It's about not being, not being moved. And it's about recognizing what is it that causes my faith to not be effective. And it's, and it's all the unbelief. It's all the, it's all the doubt. It's all the looking at what we see rather than what God says. It's, it's about our experience. It's about our fear. It's about our, our anxiety. I mean, one of the biggest fears for me, I'm getting a bit ahead of myself, but one of, not, not, the, not the biggest fear, but one of the biggest breakthroughs that I personally had was when I stopped being afraid of dying. People really struggle to receive healing because they're afraid of dying. People struggle to live in victory because they're afraid of dying. People live, some people live in anxiety all their life because they're afraid of dying. What's there to fear in dying? Now, I think most of us are afraid of dying. I was afraid of dying when I was younger, but I'm not afraid of dying anymore. I'm really not, not afraid of it because it's win-win. As Christians, we, are, we live in a win-win situation. Uh, Paul says, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Is it win-win? None of us want to die. We enjoy our life on earth. We've got things to do. We've got relationships to live. We've got, you know, we've got all sorts of things to do. I'm not saying, that I want to die, but what I'm saying is I refuse to live in fear of dying. I, I refuse to, to just let fear take over my life regarding dying because it's win-win. If we live, fantastic, it's great, it's glorious. If we die, it's great and it's glorious. And I think those are the kind of things that we do to defeat our unbelief. Because if, if, if you're trying to believe God for healing and this vo big voice or this shouting voice is saying, 
What if you die? What if you die? What if you die? I don't want to die. I don't want to die. It's really hard to operate the faith that we have when you've got this outer voice saying, you know, what if, what if, what if, what's going to happen, what if. This is just one example, okay. And um, I think that the battle that we do for our faith is not to try and get more of it, not to try and increase it and build it up. It's to get rid of the unbelief. It's to, it's to say, you know what, I'm really not afraid of dying. I'm I really am not afraid of dying. So, so that one can't get me anymore. There might be other ones that can get me. I'm not perfectly living in faith without any doubt, fear, worry, anxiety, mind issues, whatever. But that's the point of what I'm saying. The point of what I'm saying is fight the right battle. And I would suggest that we spend more time recognizing unbelief for what it is and dealing with it than trying desperately to impress God with more faith and trying to get God to do something because God has already done it and we can't really impress him with our spiritual gymnastics. We can't get more points to reach the target um, but what we can do is deal with the issues of unbelief and most of those issues that it, that is where our faith really comes into into play because um, if we're fearful about something and God says do not fear and you choose not to fear because God says do not fear that's faith that's faith in the Word of God it's faith saying the word says I don't have to fear so I'm not going to fear I'm speaking to this fear and I'm telling you you are not a part of my life yeah, that's what faith does okay okay um, let's take a little break there and I will start teaching on healing after that. Thank you for listening to the Destiny podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk.